Good evening, everyone. Um, my name is John Day, and I'm here on this Monday with the Weekday Bugle. And um, today, um, I might I'm going to talk about um, um, President Biden's choice to um, purchase, or should I say, um, beg um, Madro um, of Venezuela um, for oil. So. By in in response to the the war Russia's war on Ukraine, Biden is um try he he's they're everyone's proposing that Biden um stop buying Russian oil. So instead of doing what he should do and ramp up oil production here in America, he's once again um wiping himself with his own choices, while OPEC um holds the toilet paper. And so Biden can't wipe itself. So he's still. So he's been begging OPEC. We've all been complaining about this for a while, but it's not complaining. It's common sense. So he's been begging OPEC, Russia, and Syria, and and, and um, Iran, and the Middle East, and so on and so forth for oil. So now he's going to quit buying. Now he says he wants to, that they're deciding on whether or not to stop buying Russian oil. And now. He's, in the case that he does turn away, his administration's planning to beg Venezuela for oil. My thing is, what's the difference if you um, get the oil, if that's the oils from from America or if it's from another country? What's the difference? Is is it gonna um, is it gonna start getting us to get to net zero? Is it gonna help get the world to net zero emission if we buy oil from another country? Because what I'm seeing is he's just, his administration is just being lazy. Because if they really are about being environmentalist, then they should just stop buying oil altogether. But, again, they're, but they seem like they're extremely radical envir- environmentalists that are sitting in this guy's admin in the cabinet. <laughs> and... It's it's a this is ter- it's a, it, this is bad and it's extremely embarrassing too to see this guy begging other nations for oil and they're tell they're they're constantly declining telling him no we're not going to give you oil <laughs> we're not going to drill for you but and you might add, and and why you might ask that they are refusing Biden well because they see that he's literally he's, he literally destroyed American energy independence. With the stroke of a pen, he completely wiped out the Keystone XL pipeline, and he and he has done everything in his power to fight the um, the big oil companies to m- make them stop producing oil, so that way he can go ahead and implement more and more and more electric programs to try and um, get more so-called clean energy to satisfy AOC and her radical progressives that have pretty much taken over the Democratic Party. And they're trying to completely, then they're, they're, they're trying their best that they can to completely roll over gas, the, the gas and oil industry, and they're trying to wipe out, um, they're trying to wipe out the fossil fuel industry completely. They're trying to wipe it off the face of the earth, pretty much. But then they cost, but then they keep buying oil from other countries, and we keep getting lectured by by, by a Swedish team by a Swedish teenager on how we should um. How we should um, run transportation. In the mean, in the meantime, you know she's so radical about it that 
she's so dedicated to it that she would rather ride a that she would rather ride a boat over to her meetings that are across the Atlantic. And she literally doesn't ride a plane. She refuses to ride an airplane, but yet she rides a boat. But yet she rides a boat that probably she she rides a cruise ship that would probably to take some form of. Um, producing, you know, fossil fuels into the atmosphere, releasing toxic fumes into the atmosphere, but, uh, I don't know, maybe not, and, but yeah, so, Biden's courting Venezuelan oil in an attempt to, in reliance on Russian imports, and, and it's, and so, and then, and, um, amidst skyrocketing, um, gas prices here at home, could risk whitewashing the alleged crimes against humanity um, committed by the Venezuelan government and its closeness with Russia. So yes, Russia may have found an ally in Venezuela. And let's not forget that Brazil has um, also been allied with Russia somewhat. And Biden is attempting to try and sway Brazil over on our side because we don't. Because again, we don't need a repeat of the Cuban Missile Crisis, do we? We don't need a Latin American country um, that could be allied with the Russians again. And of course we have Cuba, which might be allied, which is probably going to be allied with with the Russians and the Chinese and the North Koreans and then the, the, um, the Iranians, the Ayatollahs. <laughs> so... Several, several senior Biden administration officials from the White House and State Department traveled to Venezuela on Saturday to meet with the government of Nicolas Maduro and discuss the possibility of easing sanctions on oil imports from the Latin American country as U.S. gas prices soared past levels not seen since 2008. So, yes, um, Jin Saki tried to blame Vladimir Putin for the and the war, his war on Ukraine. Um, for the reason that the gas prices are going up so high. Well, while that may be part of the problem, um, a, 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 this is also due large in part because of Biden and his refusal to um, make um, and drill to, to drill oil here in America. We have huge reserves here in this country, and we're not using them. Donald Trump had us achieve energy independence. That we had that we hadn't had in um, decades, and Biden literally, with a stroke of a pen, wiped out energy independence by killing off the Keystone XL pipeline and working very hard to prevent the construction of other pipelines and throughout the country. So that way we cannot. So that way he could stop the flow of oil. So that way he can appease the radicals in his party. It's quite. It's quite ridiculous. And Jen Psaki confirmed the trip Monday after saying officials traveled to Venezuela to discuss a range of issues, including certain certainly energy, energy security, but also to discover the health and welfare of detained U.S. citizens. The rare meetings came as Russia's invasion of Ukraine in less than two weeks ago accelerated already skyrocketing fuel prices in the U.S. last um, U.S. Um, last week, Venezuela and regional Russian allies Cuba and Nicaragua um, 
and, and Nicaragua abstained from a vote condemning Russia for the invasion. Russia, along with China and Iran, came to Venezuela's financial aid after in 2019 after the after the Trump administration's cut diplomatic ties with the Latin American country and uh, sanctioned its oil exports to the U.S. and Midwestern allegations of an illegitimate ele- election. The Trump White House recognized opposition leader Juan, Juan Guadio is the real president after Madro was accused of election fraud. Madro was also accused of a, loss from, of a host of human rights abuses including murders, torture, and arbitrary detentions. In November, the International Crime Court Criminal Court opened an investigation into allegations of crime against humanity by the Madro regime. Jim, Jim Carafano, Vice President of Foreign and Defense Policy Studies at the Heritage Foundation, told Fox News Digital that the Biden administration's strategy in pursuing Venezuelan oil is like Jimmy Carter redux. If you're doing business with the friends of Russia, you're helping out Russians. It's that simple, he said. Now you have an energy crisis, and your only way to resolve that is to do business with some of the most unsavory countries on planet Earth who are the biggest human rights abusers. They would rather buy oil from our adversaries who would actually use that money to attack American interests and pump oil and gas here, which would actually put more money in the American economy and, and actually make us more energy independent. Saki, um, Saki was pressed by one reporter Monday on whether it's worth doing business with a despot like Maduro. Of course, this is referring to Peter Ducey, who um, who was um, really put, really putting pressure on Saki for um, for um, trying to defend the Biden administration's defense of trying to ask um, other countries for oil instead of trying to drill it here in the U.S. I think that's she. Saki says, I think that's leaping several stages ahead in any process. There was a discussion that was had by members of the administration over the course of the last several days. Those discussions are also ongoing, and part of our focus is also on the health and welfare of detained U.S. citizens. So at this point in time, I don't think I, I, I don't have anything to predict. It's ongoing. I just don't have anything to convey at this point. When asked by another reporter whether he, whether the U.S. was working on a deal to get um, detained American citizens free from Venezuela in exchange for lifting sanctions on oil exports, Saki indicated that this was not the case. There are different channels, and obviously we're going to continue doing everything we can to bring back anyone who is detained in Venezuela or any part of the world home. But they happen through different tracks. They're all part of the conversation with Venezuela writ large, but it is not at the same time. Carvano told Fox News Digital that the strategy doesn't make any sense. The problem is when you buy oil from Venezuela, essentially what you're doing is putting is you're putting dollars in to prop up the economy the more and more entrench the Madro regime. And at the same time, the only reason why this regime is existing at all is on life support is because of the Chi- because of support from the Chinese, the Russians, and the Cubans. So you really have the most detestable regime in Latin America that's basically um, subsetting uh, on these external actors.
and it's for and um you know that it's pretty bad and um, i also heard that um the russians um are eyeing odessa in ukraine and they've been trying to attack odessa but a few um days ago um Russian, uh, members of the russian navy on board some of the ships and uh, that were about to attack odessa they staged a mutiny against putin and uh and their navy superiors saying that we don't need to be attacking this country we were duped and a lot of russian soldiers have been saying this as of late they've all been they've all been saying this that it was a that it was a bad idea to attack ukraine in the first place and that they had been duped by their superiors in moscow and quite frankly it was true and uh russian uh editor-in-chief of russia today uh well former or should i say former editor-in-chief of russia today um maria baronova uh, let me see if i say that right uh maria baronova yeah that's right she's a russian a state-run media operation known as rt Last week, after condemning Russian President Vladimir Putin's invasion of Ukraine, she's well aware that anyone who speaks out against the Kremlin could be in danger. But personal safety is the least of Barnova's concern, concern. The problem is, I know these people very well. They never send threats, they just kill. So there is just a kind of a weird silence around me, but I don't think that we're... But I think, really think we're on the brink of nuclear war right now. I'm not exaggerating. Baranova told Fox Digital from Fox News Digital from Moscow by a, a, a WhatsApp call. A WhatsApp call. I have a son. I can't leave because his father won't allow me to leave with him. So I, I just prefer to stay in Moscow. It just seems like either we're either in North Korea or we're going to be killed by, by a thermonuclear mushroom. I won't. I wouldn't quit. I would. I. I will, and I wouldn't lose my salary and job. If I was sure that we are going to be alive for many years, but I really don't know what is going to happen to all of us next. While many around the globe are gravely concerned Putin would resort to nuclear weapons, Baranova is worried this behavior will make Russia the target of a catastrophic attack. I suspect the Western world will use it. This is a very dangerous situation. The blunt Baranova agreed to talk to Fox News Digital until her son's food was ready. She explained that the last straw before quitting RT wasn't any sort of on-air propaganda, but rather an Instagram message from a colleague who wrote, If you are now ashamed of being Russian, don't worry, you are not Russian, as Putin's invasion of Ukraine intensified. I was really disturbed by that tone and level of support, Baranova noted, noting that she publicly responded to her now former co-worker's message. If I choose to be with Russia, this does not mean that I should walk into a, a, a totalitarian system. In a totalitarian system, be silent, or, for example, rejoice that regime, which I do not want for my country, is being exported somewhere else. And this regime will finally turn our life into one endless hell. What's there already turned? Baranova then stepped down from the state-run network. That was the moment I decided, okay, that's it. Baranova said she has garnered much support from fellow Russians since leaving RT and is seen as an opposition activist. But this is the first time Baranova found herself in, a, in the public eye for opposing Putin's regime. She was featured in a 2012 New York Times piece headlined, The 
a face of the Russian protest movement. That detailed the time she was in charge. She was charged with inciting a riot while protesting Putin winning a third term. In 2014, Rolling Stone said she was for a short while one of the most visible protesters in Moscow. In a piece that detailed anti-Putin activism led by the punk band Pussy Riot, I've heard of this band. They're they're kind of strange folks, but they oppose Putin, and to me, that's kind of a good thing. But is what it is. Her life was upended after the arrest, and she eventually went to work for uh, with for Dazzled. I can't say that right. I'm sorry. Russia's top independent TV channel, which is also known as TV Rain, and famously critical of Putin. Baranova, who was in who was by then a single mother, jumped ship to RT in 2019, irking fellow Putin oppositionists who said she was abandoning the movement by join, joining state-run media. People felt betrayed when I decided to join RT, but I decided on purpose in order to have a reasonable conversation with the people who are in, in power right now in Russia. Last week, Russian authorities accused TV Rain of peddling false information regarding the actions of Russian military personnel as part of a special operation in Ukraine. And and Baranova's prior network was promptly forced off the air as Putin purged non-state media. Sounds like a Stalinist purge going on here. Sounds pretty dangerous. Baranova's two previous employers have suffered... Different fates over the past few days as RT remains on the air and has echoed Putin's message throughout the Ukraine invasion. Baranova, who was the managing editor of RT's Russian language unit, said she wanted to bring positivity to the state-run outlet, and much of her responsibilities focused on covering problems with social institutions. Baranova said she also spent much of her time um, at RT, working for on a fundraiser for mothers of children with cerebral palsy, and she was largely kept out of conversations regarding which which Kremlin talking points will be spotted by the outlet, despite her editor in chief title. Roughly three years after joining the state-run news organization, with hopes of forcing change, the activist turned journalist had seen enough after Putin's reckless, ruthless attack on Ukraine, which was supported by many of her now former RT colleagues. I have nothing else to talk about with them. Our own government is bombing our relatives, our friends. Baranova feels many Russians are brainwashed, and some even by Putin's claim that the attack was needed to help denazify Ukraine, which the Kremlin has insisted was the true aggressor. Putin claimed that he wants to purge Ukraine of fascism. Such messages experts have told Fox News are appealing in Russia since loathing for the defeated. Nazi Germany runs deep. I try to talk with people on the streets. They even had arguments like, we are fighting with Hitler. But look, I've got some news. Hitler died 80 years ago, she said. It seems like they're really brainwashed. And that that much is true, I believe. Putin has cracked down on non-state news since the invasion of Ukraine began, with social media platforms and independent news operations being forced to shut down for refusing to parrot propaganda. Some locals don't mind that Putin has silenced non-state media, and a Moscow taxi driver even told Baranova that now the now shuttered TV rain was filled with traitors who opposed the Kremlin. A lot of people have these kind of sentiments. Despite Putin's attempt to control messaging related to the Ukraine invasion, Baranova is baffled that people will still buy into this narrative 
when accurate information can be found by anyone eager to find it. We have internet like everybody else in this world, and you can't hide information from people in the era of the internet. So I don't understand how they can be brainwashed. How how can they be saying that Russia is fighting with Hitler collaborators in Ukraine when Hitler died 80 years ago? When they really had these kind of conversations, but they really had these kind of conversations, knowing that some Russians have begun to open their eyes because of sanctions and American companies pulling out of the nation. People were in favor on the first day of the invasion. Now they are less convinced and more skeptical, much more skeptical because they understand now that now that they are going to lose their jobs, people they are going to lose their cars, their iPhones, their everything. So let's see what that what that they are going to say in a month. The whole world is in a bad position. Painting a bleak picture, Baranova says it feels like 1945, the final year of World War II, before quickly correcting herself. Probably more like 1939, she said, referring to the year that World War II began. It's really pointless. It is really pointless to predict anything. We are watching a lie on my TV. Suddenly, Baranova had to go as her son's meal was ready. She told him to please put down his phone and eat before hanging up. She had one final message for Americans. The Russians love their children, too. She said, stay, stay safe. Everybody stay safe. So it seems like even some Russians are concerned about the war going on in Ukraine, and many of them, and it seems like some of them are opposed to it, despite the Kremlin trying to brainwash all of the civilians, trying to brainwash the local civilians into believing that there are literal, literal Nazis running in Ky- running around in Kiev, running the government, which is, which is an abhorrent lie. Now there is a neo-Nazi battalion integrated into the Ukrainian army called the Azov Battalion, which I do believe this is, this could be what Putin might have been referring to. But this, uh, but again, this is while it is while it does hold a little grain of truth to his claim, a little bit of a grain really. Other than that, it's not true at all. There are no Nazis running the government in Kiev that are running Ukraine. There are, there's no such thing. And so, really, the people within the Kremlin are really just starting to tap into some Soviet nostalgia. That's all they're just. That's all they're trying to do. They're trying to tap into Soviet nostalgia for the old USSR. That's all they're doing. That's why they're invading Ukraine. That's what the, this is. What this is what this is all about. Remember, this year is 2022. It's been a hundred years since the establishment of the Soviet Union. Almost a hundred, around a hundred years ago. And Vladimir Putin may be trying to get this started to get. To reestablish the Soviet Union, and I think this could be his end game by the end of this year. When the end of this year comes rolling around, I think Vladimir Putin will have, um, to some degree, reestablished the Soviet Union, and that's why he's trying to start early. He's trying to get a head start to try and um, capture Ukraine. He was hoping this would be over quickly, but it's not going so well for him. So. Who knows how this is going? How the invasion is going to end? But um, Putin has been employing Chechenian fighters, which you know how Chechnya, how how Chechen, how the Chechenians were. Vladimir Putin um, violently suppressed the Chechenians, and now he hires Chechenians to work for his army, and they literally, um, they literally um, destroyed um, entire towns and cities in Syria. They decimated the entire place. Killing everybody, killing, not leaving a hair standing, and they completely, completely destroyed the cities.
the Chechenians are not a fighting force to be messed with. And Vladimir Putin is hiring extremely dangerous Chechnyans to fight in his armed forces. And he's literally turning his army into an entire horde of barbarians, literally. And so, while some in the Russian armed forces are going along with the Kremlin's lies, some have woken up to realize that they're being lied to. And some that have been um, captured by the Ukrainians are actually admitting that they, that, that, that they had been duped into getting into Ukraine, and many of them didn't know what they were getting into. Many of them were told that they would, that the Ukrainians would welcome them with open arms, just like what happened in Crimea in 2014, when, when many Crimeans had um, overwhelmingly voted to join the Russian Federation. Um, and um, many people said that um, the Russians did not annex um, or invade Crimea because... Um, the Crimeans had overwhelmingly joined, over what had held a refundrum that had um, overwhelmingly voted to uh, 90, almost 95% to join the Russian Federation. Now, I'm not sure if this is true or not, but many people here in the West have tried to label it as an invasion, and there wasn't necessarily any resistance to the Russians coming in to Crimea. There, was, there wasn't any resistance whatsoever. They just let the, they let, they let the Russians in. So many people called it an invasion because the Russian troops were simply had did not have the right to be there, but the people of Crimea had voted to join the Russian Federation. So they had, um, and I I've been reading many, um, many question and answer forums, and many um, Crimean many actual Crimeans have um, put as their answer to um, the annexation of Crimea. Many of them had said that they wanted to reunite with Russia. Because they believed that the government in Kiev had um, been abusing them for years. Because um, they had been trying to rejoin Russia since the um, 1990s. And the, so and the Soviet Union, um, presume, I think um, Nikita Khrushchev um, had given um, Crimea to Ukraine. Which um, a lot of Crimeans say that was illegal. And that they shouldn't have done that because, you know, they were a part of the Russian SFSR. Which was a, um, they were part of the Russian Soviet Republic. So, anyway, I will leave that right there for now. Um, let me know what you all think. I'm sorry if I rambled on a lot and I didn't really clarify what I was speaking about necessarily. But, anyway, I'll leave that right there for now. And, let's say you DM me if you all have any questions. And... I will um, be back tomorrow for another episode of the Weekday Bugle. And this has been John Day with your Weekday News. And you will have a good night. Peace.